0: Hey there. Thanks for joining us for today's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you're here. You're about to hear an incredible message from our pastor, Terry Haight. But before we get started, we'd like you to consider partnering with us. Our heart is to spread Jesus's message of hope to the world. If you'd like to sow into that mission, please visit HermesonAssembly.com and click the give button. Thank you so much for your generosity. Now enjoy this message. Are you a fearless witness? I don't know if you know this, but you're either a good witness or a bad witness. You're one of the two. You can't be out. There's not a third option. But you're either a good witness or a bad witness. And, of course, when Jesus is your passion, you, can, you have the great potential of being a great witness, a good witness. I want to read, and we're going to read the story here. There's a storyline that goes along here, and so we're going to read this chapter this morning. So if you'll open up, and if you have it, say amen. Okay, and get your U you versions out. I want everybody to be following along with me um, because God's word is going to speak to you this morning. And the word says, now Saul was consenting to his death. We're talking about Stephen at the end of chapter seven, and we'll talk about it more. At that time, and this is a phrase that really got my attention when I first got to this, got to this chapter, and at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial in a great lamentation and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes which with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For the unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and the lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. But there was a certain man named Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city. And astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. Verse 10. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, quote, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they had believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom and the name of Jesus, these are the things we should preach, both men and women were baptized In other words, they gave their heart to Christ and they were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he, talking about the Holy Spirit, had had fallen upon none of them. In other words, this is talking about a second work of salvation. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this, of this your wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned with bitterness and bound by iniquity. In other words, he was saying that Simon was Jealous over this authority and power they operated in. And then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Verse 29. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. This is the same Philip that evangelized in Samaria, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which, was down, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charged all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading the prophet He was reading Isaiah the prophet, and then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to sit up, or to come up and sit with him, and the place in the scripture which he read was this, he was led, this is out of Isaiah, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb who is before its shears is silent. So his mouth, not, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And, he who declare, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this? of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began, and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Can you say that with me? He preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may, and he answered and said, I believe. What does he believe? He says, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he was baptized. And now when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Ozotas, which is about 20 miles north of where the desert was. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. This morning, I want to talk to you about being fearless witnesses. When we talk about fearless, I want to remind you, back when we first started this series, fearless refers to the fear of man, refers to the fear of the enemy. Jesus, First John, the Apostle John tells us in 1 John that the love of God drives out all fear in other words i pray that when we as believers come become so in love with jesus that that would overshadow any intimidation any fear any tactic any lie any deception of the enemy to where you may see it you may hear it you may be a witness to it but it does not determine whether you will obey god or not amen I think it was Luke who said, Luke the doctor who wrote Luke and the book of Acts, he said, it is the love of God that constrains me or compels me. Has anybody ever, he says, like a fever, has anybody ever had a fever It was so bad that you were delirious? That you were saying stuff, you were talking Nonsense? You don't even remember what you, everybody around you said, wow, you were talking crazy when you were sick. Well, that's what happens to the believer who is so overtaken by the love of God. What the world says is you're crazy. What the world says is you're so taken by this Jesus that you'll say anything, do anything, go anywhere, tell anybody because you have such of the love of God in your heart. Amen? And so we see here in this passage, there's a few points I want to make and we're going to touch on each portion of this chapter, but, but I want to say it this way. A silent gospel does not impact anybody. Silence is the biggest obstacle to the church and the kingdom of God growing. As long as we or as long as you and I remain silent, people will go into eternity without a savior. People will find themselves, I was listening to a testimony of a man yesterday that uh, I, I watch a lot of, I like to watch preaching. When I'm not at church, I, I like to listen to preaching on YouTube and iPods and all that good stuff. And, and, and there was one man who said, I went 20, he says, I went 30 some years and no one ever talked to me about Jesus until he hit the bottom and he finally went into a church himself and said, tell me, what is, what, I, I need help here. And, and of course that, Fortunately, that pastor was able to lead him to Christ. And, but a silent gospel is an ineffective gospel. There has to be, there, there is being a witness, in other words, by our actions, but then there is witnessing. And that involves using words. That involves telling people what the word of God says. Amen? And, and so I see here, Things that you're going to encounter when you say yes to the Lord. Things that you're going to notice is going to happen in your life when when, when you say yes uh, to being a witness and to witnessing. We see here that fearless witnesses will suffer persecution. In other words, that you will encounter resistance. You will have some pushback. What happened here at the beginning of this chapter, the Bible, it was at the, it, at the end of the last chapter was chapter 7 where Stephen, the Bible says his face began to shine like an angel, as Moses did when he had been on the mountain. And Stephen was a modern day prophet, a modern day messenger. He was coming to the city, the, to the family of Israel, coming to the religious people, and he was trying to say, Listen, everything you've read up until now really is all about Jesus. All the prophets, all the songs sung, all the prophecies written down, it was all to do with him. And he, as he began to witness, as he began to share Jesus, not just the word of Jesus, but the love of Jesus, the word says his face began to shine like an angel. I guarantee you this, according to God's word, when you begin to step out and begin to give a witness, your countenance will change. Can you say Amen. You, you, will, you will begin to... T- why? Because you will begin to experience a measure of the presence of God that you will only experience as you are giving a witness to the gospel, as you are sharing the good news. You may say, why am I not feeling the presence of God in my everyday life going out and about? Well, let me ask you the question. Are you telling people about Jesus? Are you sharing the fact that he is the only begotten son of God that came and was born in a manger and he lived a full life here on this earth and he went to the cross for you and me. He took our sin and shame and and disasters and messes and he he nailed them. The Bible says he nailed them to the cross and when he was buried, all of those sins were buried with him. But when he resurrected three days later, he was resurrected in newness of life. He says, those sins are forgotten, never to be remembered again. Amen? To be a witness simply means this, is that you simply share what you have both seen and heard. And I'll tell you this, no one can dispute with you on your encounter with God. They might be able to dispute over someone else's encounter, but they're not going to be able to dispute over your encounter. Why? Because you're the one who experienced it. You're the one who's come face to face with Jesus. You're the one who has been transformed and changed by the power of Jesus Christ. And so we see here that at that time when, when he was stoned to death, he said, Father, I give you my spirit. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father with his arms wide open, cheering him on. He said, Father, I commit my hands to your spirit. And he says, Secondly, Lord, And before he died, the word says, he says this, do not lay this sin at their charge. That is the love of Jesus. That, the Bible says, there is no greater love than one who will lay his life down. Stephen, in all reality, was laying his life down for others. Even if it killed him, even if he lost his life, he realized that he needed to declare, make known, speak, preach, preach prophesy whatever pray he needed to declare he needed to be a witness and as a result the word says he suffered persecution and because of that the word says a great persecution broke out against the church that day and they all scattered throughout the regions of Judea Samaria doesn't that sound familiar Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 he says wait for the promise of the father and you shall receive power to be witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. What was happening here was that, that this, there was a tipping point. If you remember, Peter and John got a slap on the hand. The apostles got a stern warning, but they were beaten but now Stephen is stoned. There was, a, there was an escalation of, of as, the, as the church was exploding, as people were seeing signs and wonders and miracles, as multitudes of men and women were coming and boys and girls coming into the faith. At some point, the enemy said enough is enough. And, and we see the religious crowd and we see the unbelievers resist them. This is the thing. It's kind of like, has anybody ever tried to attempt surfing? you've attempted it you know there's a break there's a break in the water meaning you go you go to a certain point and where, and where the break is as is where the waves are but it's trying to you try you got but has anybody ever been successful to get past the waves past the break what's the waves want to do it just wants to push you back on shore i think so many of us live between the beach and the break in other words that we, we wait out we're wanting to get beyond the waves get beyond the resistance and because it's too great we just come on back and say it ain't worth it but we see here that the church did the church give up did they stop did they say you know what this ain't worth it no what do they do the word says they press past the persecution the word says that they literally scattered. The only ones left in Jerusalem were the apostles themselves. These were the original disciples of Jesus. And so the persecution was so bad that it forced the believers to scatter, to do just what the Lord had commanded them to do. Uh, I don't think it was pleasant. Persecution is never pleasant, isn't it? It was, it was not pleasant. They did, it's, like being, it's like choosing to be evicted out of your own house. It's like choosing to say, you know what, someone kicked me out already. It's not fun. They were driven out. It may have even at that moment felt like a disaster, like a, like a, like a loss. But the persecuted, the persecution actually ended up working against the persecutors. It's kind of like whenever you go to put out a fire, maybe at a campfire, a campsite, and, and if you ever, rather than pouring water, if you ever try to stomp it out, and the embers scatter. That's exactly what happened to the church of that day. The, the Saul and the church, or the religious crowd, were in essence trying to stamp out this church. And as a result, they sent the burning embers to other parts of the region. Can you say amen? They began to go out to Samaria, Asia, and even as far as Rome. And so, they were under persecution there's cuba has been in the news quite a bit over the last year and as you know fidel just passed away a few days ago and and, and one pastor was talking one of an american pastor was talking to a cuban pastor one day and he said cuz he knew that they were they were enduring some persecution in cuba and he said to the pastor, he says, the Church of America is praying for the Church of Cuba that you would not suffer persecution anymore. What do you think the Cuban pastor's response to that was? He said, stop praying that prayer. He says, it is the persecution that we face that keeps, us, keeps our eyes on Jesus. It's, it's the things that we go through that, that remind us that he is the only one that he is all i need and he said stop he says in fact he says the cuban pastor then said to the american pastor he says in fact the cuban church is praying that america will face some persecution <laughs> <laughs> that we would get uncomfortable in our in our with ourselves that we cannot just lay in bed any longer or sit in a pew any longer or come to even wonderful worship services alone, but that we would go beyond and become witnesses of what we have both seen and heard. We see the church endure great persecution. These saints weren't preachers in any modern sense. The word word tells us how that they went out joyfully or that they were going around Uh, sharing the love of God. They were just people who uh, were free and joyous in their witness of Jesus. They, They were people who loved the word of God and were willing to be used by God. And so fearless witnesses, even Timothy says it this way, those who desire to be holy shall endure or shall experience or shall suffer persecution. Number two, fearless witnesses will share the gospel. Verse four says, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. It wasn't just the apostles. It wasn't just Philip here. But the word says that all the saints, when they went out, everywhere they went, they shared the word. Amen? Everywhere they went. What does this mean? That that. Being witnesses needs to go grassroots. It is not just the preacher, the pastor, the evangelist, the prophet, the worship leader. It is every individual who names the name of Jesus. Every one of us have a word. Every one of us have the gospel in us. And the word says, in the multitudes with one accord, he did the things talking about Philip. Philip went down to Samaria, and the word says that he preached this word. Rem- remember, he was one of the deacons. He was one of the men chosen to administrate the, the, the needs of the church between uh, the Hellenistic believers versus the Hebrew believers. And, and he was asked to be an administrator in that. And I, and I, and I got to thinking about this. Obviously, they chose him because of, his, because of his character. They chose him because they saw a man full of the Holy Spirit, full of integrity, full of faith. What do you know? This same man, he stepped out and began. You know, when I see the standards given for deaconship and given for bishops and pastors, really, you know, we, we, those standards are given in God's word, but really it is everyone's standard. It's not just if you're fulfilling a function of that that, that, that you should live differently than every. We should all be living on that same standard. We should all be walking in the Lord And so the word says the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, seeing, hearing and seeing miracles, which he did. It was so, what his preaching produced was this, it got noisy. Because as he preached it, the Bible says, those who were bound by demons, those who were in bondage, those who were, were oppressed, possessed, messed up, the word says that even unclean spirits, demonic spirits, came out of them screaming and crying out loud. They didn't go quietly. It wasn't a quiet little humble church service, but it was a service where transformation was being made. People didn't come and leave the same way. Amen? You know when we, you know, I, for example, I'm not here as a pastor to inspire you. I'm here to give you a word that will transform you, amen. I'm here to give you a gospel that transforms. You're not out to inspire people. You're out to transform people. You know what? Even on Facebook, there's a lot of you know Instagram, all these social media. There's a lot of inspiration out there. But I, I, I beg of you, I ask of you, are you giving a word? Are you giving such a witness that it will lead to other people being transformed and set free in the name of Jesus? Amen? We're looking for transformation, not inspiration. Not just to, so that we feel good for a day, but that we will be good for a lifetime. That we will go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from revelation to revelation, from encounter to encounter. That's what we're here to do as the church. In being witnesses, we're going to share the gospel. Philip went to the city of Samaria. It was an unlikely place. It was, they were half Jews, half Gentile. They didn't serve they, They serve God, but they serve many other gods. And yet, God led Philip out to Samaria to preach the gospel. This was the same Samaria that Jesus went to years earlier. And he shared the gospel. Jesus was the theme of his preaching. What happened? Revival broke out. Salvations took place. Lives were so transformed that joy filled the city. Joy filled the city. I'm believing for the day that we would just not refer to the Samaritan Revival, but we'd refer to the Hermiston Revival, refer to the Umatilla Revival, the Stanfield Revival, the Errigan Revival, the Boardman Revival, that each of our cities round about here would be so transformed that joy would fill the city. Amen? That's the strength of a people. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you have no strength, you have no joy. I'm sure you walk on the job most every day and there's people just kind of, kind of just with their head hanging low and, and just kind of a sad countenance. Why? Because they have no joy. And they cannot experience this kind of joy until they are set free by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the kind of joy I want, church. I want a joy that's the outcome, the result of having been set free. You know, we're not here to put a Band-Aid over it. We're here to see it delivered. We're here to see the infection removed, the sin forgiven and the sin forgotten, the bondage is broken. Only then, only then will joy come. Only then will true prosperity come. Only then will true transformation come. Only then will sacrifice really come. Only then will you see signs and miracles following those who believe. We gotta be a witness, church. And you have to use words if necessary. Not just your actions. Well, Let let them see my actions. Yes, that's good. But sometimes you gotta speak up and ask the question, do you wanna know? Do you wanna know where this joy comes from? Do you wanna know where this peace comes from? Do you want to know where my provision comes from? Do you want to know where my comfort comes from? Because they're facing the same things you're facing, and they're dying under the stress of it, and they see you living in joy, and they want to hear what you have. Amen? They've got to hear it. When they bump up against you, I pray that Jesus oozes out. Amen? Like a sponge that has soaked up the power and the presence of God. That when they bump up against you, may it not be dirty water, may it not be other things, bad attitudes, and having a bad day, and I got a headache, and all this garbage. But rather to say, you know what? Jesus is my everything, He is my all. I challenge you, church, be a witness. You're gonna, you're gonna face some obstacles, you're gonna get cussed out, you're gonna have some bad looks. You're going to have someone punch your tires. You're going to have someone break your windows. Don't think it hasn't happened here in Hermiston. It's happened. Things like that happen when, when you begin to stir up the enemy, when you begin to preach the gospel. One of the churches here in town a couple years ago, that is a gospel preaching church. They had human feces wiped all over their walls one Sunday morning. That wasn't, that wasn't just because they were having a bad day. It was because they were preaching the unadulterated word of Jesus Christ. We've had windows knocked out of churches here, tires punched until they were in parking lots of churches while services were going on. Is that just happen chance? No, it's the devil, it's the enemy. When he sees the church getting, and what does that do? That should only bring more transformation. Amen. That should only bring more of a witness. We need to share the gospel. Amen? Number three, witnesses recognize the genuine from the imitation. Witnesses recognize the genuine. This Simon the sorcerer was 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 nothing but a poser. He was nothing but an imitator. How many of you know the devil is an imitator? There is nothing that he... He has invented nothing new under the sun. He is not an originator, he is not a creator. All he does is take what there is and twist it. Take what there is and reshape it. Take what, it, what there is and defile it, mess it up. We see here this man, the Bible says that he had duped the whole city of Samaria so much that they thought this must be a man of God. But when Philip came in the room, when Philip began to treat, preach the truth, even Simon himself recognized that what he had wasn't real, and the word says that even he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. The word says, "We as we as uh, we as witnesses, the more." Let me say this way: the more you step out and say, "God, use me," what's going to end up happening is this: number one, for example you can witness to a you you can when i say witness i'm talking about, i'm talking about having conversations you can have conversations with 100 people before you see one saved you can lay hands on 100 people for prayer maybe before you see one it doesn't have to be that but you could face that but every time you do it does that mean you have failed no I've known great, mighty men of, men of God, women of God who testified this say, I prayed for hundreds before I saw one person healed. I witnessed, it was uh, Victor Plymeyer who went to parts of uh, Mongolia. It was 13 years before he saw one convert. Within the first few years, he lost his wife and his son. They died right there in that country. And then when he did see a convert, he tried to establish a church and the Mongolian government would not let him purchase land. And so what did he do? They had given him land years earlier to bury his wife and his son. What did he do? He built the church on top of their grave. Amen? If he says, if this is the only land I have, I'm gonna build a church on it. Right over the grave of my wife and my son. But he kept preaching the gospel he kept witnessing to people he kept loving on the mongolians until a breakthrough came every time you step out you're gonna get you you will get resistance but each time you step out it will qualify the word of god that's in your heart things that matter will remain things that don't matter will fall away the Bible talks about that there's, there, there come shakings and the things that are of God remains the same. The things of self and the earth and, 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 and worldliness and sin, all of those things have to go somewhere. And so we see here that when it comes to discernment, when you are witnessing, you will soon begin to discern the real from the imitation. Even people who claim to be saved... You know, you may say, you know what, you say you're saved, but something's not right here. I don't see the fruit. I don't see the attitude. I don't bear witness in my spirit that you even know who Jesus is. This Simon was considered a man of God, and yet he did not even know Jesus. He did not know God. Each time you step out, there's going to be resistance. Each time you step out, you're going to bear witness, but you will... To, you, you'll begin to develop. You may think, well, nothing's happening. Let me tell you, you are growing exponentially. Things are happening. I was in a meeting yesterday with some youth leaders and, and Dylan Spencer was in that meeting and, and, he, and we were just talking about being a witness a little bit. And he said, yeah, on my job, I have once a week, I'm given the opportunity to lead the team pep talk or the team talk. And he says, so what I'm doing each week is just simply taking a principle from the book of Proverbs and sharing it with the team. How creative is that? They may not know where you found it, but it's the truth. What are you doing? You're giving a witness. It's going to spawn on more questions. It's going to create opportunities. They're going to say to him over and over again, where did you hear that? How do you know these things? You're only 19, where do you get this wisdom? Where do you get this peace? Where do you get this joy? He is 19, right? 20? They're already on their second baby, and he's only 19. No. He's in his 20s, right? He's broken. it. I hope so. Anyhow, please tell me he's in his 20s. Okay. Anyhow. <laughs> But simply sharing God's word, it's going to bear a witness. It's going to give a witness. And then we see here, the, my fourth point is this. Fearless witnesses share the full gospel. Philip had come through Samaria. He preached the good news of Jesus. The, 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 the apostles had heard about what was happening in Samaria, Samaritan, Samaria. They sent Peter and John, not because Philip wasn't doing a good job, They just wanted to reinforce. They want to come through and just encourage what he was doing. And when they came, they realized that they had heard about Jesus, but they had not heard about this Holy Spirit. And the word says, they began, and when they came down, they prayed for them, verse 15, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. for For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. Isn't it interesting that they looked at the Holy Spirit as being a necessity. It wasn't like one of those things you could do without. You don't have to have God, the Holy Spirit to get to heaven, but it will sure help you get there. Amen? Because we're, we're, we're in a supernatural walk here, a supernatural warfare. Super, we, we're fighting from a place of victory, but the God, the Holy Spirit, is there to be our revealer, reminder, convictor uh, of sin, all of these things. He's our teacher. You know, I would make, I, I say this tongue-in-cheek, but I would make a horrible Baptist, per se. If I didn't have the ability to pray in the Spirit or to enter into the Spirit in, in that measure to that degree, and not to say there are not Spirit-filled Baptists, but I'm just saying, I need every, everything I can get. As Peter and John came to support Philip, so the Holy Spirit comes to support us. He comes into our lives to say, hey, I ge- I've given you the authority to speak his name. Didn't you love that last song, how beautiful his name is? Because when you say the name of Jesus under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it is going to break down walls. It is going to set captives free. It's going to heal the sick. It's going to alleviate demons from people who've been in bondage for years. It's even going to raise the dead when you say his name. Amen. When you say his name, and then lastly, fearless witnesses are spirit-directed. There was such a revival going on. There was a revival. I'm going to ask Miss Mandy if she was coming to the keyboard. There was such a revival going on in Samaria that I'm sure Philip probably didn't didn't think it was time to leave yet. No one ever wants to leave a party when it's just getting going, do you? Especially if you're having good church or good prayer meeting or good worship service. Whoever wants to, who wants to, I don't know about you, but I never want to walk out the door. I never want to dismiss myself when the presence of God is being poured out. When the Spirit of God is moving. And the word says that in verse 26, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise, go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert. And the word says that this angel appeared to him and probably had to in order for him to get the message. He says, but I want you to go down to a a back road, a deserted place. He didn't know who he was gonna talk to, he just knew where. And the word says that he went down to this strip of Gaza, this uninhabited, probably unused road, and he saw this eunuch on the side of the road, this Ethiopian uh, ruler, this man that was in charge of Ethiopia's treasury. And the the Bible says the Holy Spirit said to him, go up next to his chariot and and stand there. The Bible says he came up alongside the chariot and he overheard the Ethiopian Reading from the book of Isaiah. And he said to the Ethiopian, Hey, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, How should I know unless someone tells me? What a powerful comment he made. How am I supposed to know if nobody will tell me? How is your co-worker going to ever know if you won't come alongside them? How will your unsaved husband or wife or child or or grandmother or uh, employee or employee, how will they ever know if no one will come up alongside them? As he began to read, he read these words. He says, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and his lamb before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth And the Ethiopian eunuch says, who is this talking about? Is he talking about himself or another man? And Philip says he's talking about Jesus. And as he described the words to him, he said, is this Jesus who is the only begotten son of the Father who came that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life? And obviously, he must have mentioned water baptism, which is a form of submission to say, yes, I want to publicly testify that I'm a follower of Jesus. And the eunuch said, well, I see water right there. I know we're in the desert, but there's a pool. Can we get baptized there? And Philip asked him outright the question, do you believe? I want to ask you the question this morning, do you believe? There are believing believers. There are non-believing believers, as I mentioned over the last couple of weeks. There are believing non-believers. Where do you stand? Maybe you're here today. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you've been here before, and, or maybe you've been here for a long time, but you have not given your heart to Jesus. Philip asked the eunuch. He said, "Do you believe?" And what did the eunuch say? He said back to him, he said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Those are the words you want to hear when you're giving a witness to somebody. That is the conclusion of the matter. That is the revelation that comes. When when, when we talk about being a witness, what I'm saying is this yes, show your actions, but you have to ask the question do you believe? Have I told you enough about Jesus? Have I demonstrated enough of his love and his power and his presence towards you that you would believe in him? Can you answer me the question? And what did the eunuch say back to him? He says, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, if you believe in your heart that Christ that God raised Christ from the dead and you confess with your mouth that he is the son of God, you shall be saved. I'm going to tell you, church, I have led so many people to the Lord just with that one verse. But someone's got to tell them. I'm asking you this morning, do you believe? I'm going to ask my deacons if they will take the communion plates right now and begin to pass them up and down the rows. And as they do, our closing prayer is this, do you believe? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you don't, I would love to lead you in that prayer to make that confession And so with, with each head bowed for just a moment, keep your eyes open as the trays are passing. As they pass the trays, and we each take a, a cup and each take a piece of bread, I want to ask you, if you're in this house this morning and you want to know Jesus as your Savior, and you want to say yes to him, whether for the first time or maybe you're coming back to him and you're saying, Pastor Terry, I, I believe... And if that's you today, will you just slip up a hand right now? Anybody in this house? I see one hand. Do I see any others? They would say, Lord, I want to believe. I want to know you. I want to be saved. I want to believe. I do believe. Anyone else? Would you pray this prayer? Congregation, pray this prayer with me. And this is a prayer you can lead anyone that you know in. It's a simple prayer. You can lead your family in it. You can lead your coworker in it. You can lead a neighbor in this prayer. It's just simply calling on the name of Jesus and asking for the forgiveness of sin and asking him to come into our heart and lives. So pray this prayer with me out loud. Dear Jesus, Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for laying your life down for mine. Thank you for taking my sins and washing them away, never to be remembered again. I believe, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And that you are the ultimate sacrifice for my sin. Come into my heart. Be my master. Be my life. My breath. My food. My drink. In Jesus' name. I commit to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen.